0: The New Liberal Arts is inspiring students at Hiram College.
1: I'm Abby, and I'm studying science, theater, and the art of communicating ideas.
0: The New Liberal Arts is helping students find their unique voice and become their best self.
1: I'm learning to think out loud, challenge myself, and everyone else.
0: It's building a 21st century skill set and mindset that prepares them for careers of the future.
1: I am ready to affect people's lives. I am Abby, and I am Hiram.
0: Learn more about the new liberal arts at Hiram.edu. Welcome to Fireside Chats, 60 minutes of stimulating conversation with some of Northeast Ohio's most interesting entrepreneurs. Get the inside story from folks who have taken the leap and who are willing to share what they've learned, the good, the bad, and the inspiring. Fireside Chats, Real Entrepreneurs, Real Stories, Real Learning. Fireside Chats are brought to you by the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship at Hiram College. Be sure to look for our Fireside Chat podcasts where you can listen on your own time and our dime. For more information, visit hiram.edu backslash entrepreneurship. Now, let's get chatting
2: everybody here in the classroom and to our guests who I hope are joining us via live streaming so this is our last fireside chat of the semester but it is a first that we are using technology to take what's happening here on Hiram's campus and take it out to folks that can't make it um, in to join us Um, so those of you who have joined in if you do have any questions Uh, during the course of this chat, please feel free to email your questions to entrepreneurship at Hiram.edu, and we'll try to get those questions uh, in front of our our speaker today. So first off, uh, today happens to be, uh, this whole week happens to be Global Entrepreneurship Week, so it's rather apropos that for Global Entrepreneurship Week, we're also launching our uh, live video uh, simulcasts of our chats. I also want to say congrats to all of our Idea Blitz participants last week. We had 45 students with 13 ideas present to our panel of five judges. And our top three winners were uh, Peter Sullivan and Megan McCoy with SafeCon, Katrina Leachman, Lisa Nazzelli, and Emma Vaccaro with Sat- Style Savvy and Winston Breeden, Jonathan Edwards, and Steve Krasinski with WallTrack. And they, those three teams shared in a thousand dollars in prize money. So tonight's speaker is Ashley Toten, who's the (coughs) engineering project manager with Youngstown Business Incubator. And we're really excited to have her here. Ashley has a, a bachelor's in engineering and a master's of science in engineering. Uh, and systems from Youngstown State University. Uh, She first got involved with additive manufacturing as a workforce and educational outreach intern, intern students at America Makes, uh, the National Additive Manufacturing Innovation Institute located in Youngstown, Ohio. So you can see where internships can lead you. Um, so she's here tonight to talk about manufacturing in the 21st century and how advances uh, in 3D print technology is a real game changer, uh, creating all kinds of opportunities in this expanding field. So welcome, Ashley. And thank you. look forward to hearing what you had to tell us.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Um, so welcome. Thanks for joining me. Um, it's so dark out already. Mm-hmm. I'm so over it already. Mm-hmm. Um, So today I'm going to talk to you about manufacturing in the 21st century, we'll jump right in. Um, We're going to talk about what is additive manufacturing, seven processes of additive manufacturing, materials, um, applications, and challenges. So to put this in perspective, manufacturing has existed for thousands of years. So over the past thousands of years, specific manufacturing processes have been developed. We've developed material removal, so subtractive manufacturing, where you take a block and you um, remove material and you get your part. Casting: you pour liquid metal into a mold and you get a part. Forming, molding, joining. So over thousands of years, we have about five or seven um, manufacturing processes. And over those years, we've had some industrial revolutions that have went through. So you had your first Industrial Revolution when the steam engine was made. This was the mechanical revolution. Then you had a second um, Industrial Revolution where electricity was invented and also mass production. So the assembly line was created. We had a third Industrial Revolution where your digital age, computers, Internet. And now there's talks of this fourth Industrial Revolution which could involve cyber-physical systems artificial intelligence, IoT, blockchain, and this additive manufacturing. So when and where did additive manufacturing begin? It actually began um, about 30 years ago, 1984, by a guy named Chuck Hall. He invented additive manufacturing with the first type, which was called stereolithography. And he also invented the STL file that we use today. So now, since 1984, there have been seven different processes of additive manufacturing invented, and they're listed above. So to put that in perspective, hundreds—or er, not hundreds, thousands of years, we had manufacturing, traditional manufacturing, thousands. And we've perfected it, and we've been using them for thousands of years. In the last 30 years, we had an additional seven processes identified. 30 years. So what does the next 30 years look like? Just wanted to start off with that. So let's jump right into additive manufacturing. There's three basic steps, and anyone can do it. You have your design, your slice, and your print. Design, CAD, CAD software. Has anyone ever used CAD software before? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. What um, softwares have you used? Uh, just CAD. CAD?
3: AutoCAD.
1: AutoCAD? AutoCAD. Okay. Cool, yeah. So computer-aided design software, there's hundreds of these. A lot of them are free, you can go online, download them, start using them today. Fusion 360, all students have access to this great um, CAD software. It's almost um, like SOLIDWORKS, if anyone's ever heard of that. So it's very um, complex, so Fusion 360. People who are using it in industry, you can be using it today. You download it right online and students have access for free. Then there's ones like SolidWorks, Inventor, OpenSCAD, Rhino, Catia, and the list goes on and on. So this is where you take something you draw and you turn it into a 3D model. So that's computer-aided design software. Another way to get a design is through 3D scanning. So you can either draw up your design in CAD software or scan something. So there's three types of scanning. We have laser scanning, structured light, and photogrammetric scanning. So what this does, um, for example, the, the two that are shown, the first one's laser and the second one's white light. It just collects all this these point cloud data and turns that into a model. The third one, photogrammetric, how that works is that you can download these on your iPhones on any um, app There's scanners out there now, and all this one does is it just takes hundreds of pictures. So say I wanted to scan this elephant. I would just get the scanner out, go all the way around him, and then it's going to take that model and turn it into something that I can 3D print or alter it and 3D print it out. So that's the second way you can get a design is through 3D scanning. Once you have your design file, you have to save that as an STL file. And this is called standard tessellization or triangulation language. So what it's doing to your file is it takes whatever part you made, for example, on the um, right that was a solid part, and then it puts all these little triangles all over your part. And the more triangles you put, the better quality your part's going to be. For example, um, the sphere that's on the bottom of the screen. If you only put four triangles on, it doesn't really look like a sphere, does it? The more triangles you add, the more defined the shape um, becomes. So that's how you uh, deal with resolution of your part and higher quality. So that's how you get your STL file. Once you have your STL file, then we can go into slicing. So every 3D printer, you need to slice your part. 3D 3D printing is adding it up layer by layer by layer. So slicing software, you put it in there, and you can do all kinds of cool things with it. This is where you can play with infill pattern, uh, layer height, speed, rafts, support structures, which are really important. Um, I'll pass around this part. This part was stopped halfway to show you the infill pattern. You'll see a honeycomb um, structure inside, and your infill, you can adjust however you want. You can make your part completely hollow inside all the way. 10% 30% 50% all the way to a completely solid part so you have the ability to make that density of your part Another thing you can do is add support structures Um, Anytime you have an overhang on your part You're going to need a support structure holding that up just like scaffolding on a building Um, What's really cool now with 3D printing is, for example, this part down here. Um, some ext- printers have two extruder heads. So you can print one in plastic and one with your model material, one with your support material. So your part material is black, your white material support. So after this part comes off the printer, you plop it into water, and your support dissolves away. So they're dissolvable supports, which allows you to create very complex shapes that you couldn't create traditionally. So, I'll send around this part and it shows you the complexity of a part you can make. And I'll also send send around a part um, that shows you support structure. Um, This is a little penguin guy. You'll see support under his nose, under his hat. And then again, um, if he's dissolvable supports, you just plop them in water, they'll all dissolve away. Or if they're just uh, your regular supports, you'd have to pick them all off. So you can see the before and after of this back So how many, of, I'm going to stop here, how many of you are familiar with additive manufacturing or know what additive manufacturing is before this seminar, raise your hand. What about 3D printing, raise your hand. Okay, so I wanna, wanted to stop there and just show you so 3D printing, I got more hands for 3D printing. 3D printing and additive manufacturing are the same thing. One's a more technical term, one's a fun term. So now you guys, everyone who raised their hand for 3D printing, you also know what additive manufacturing is. There's just two different words, but they mean the same thing. And then your third step is print. So you design, slice it, and you can go right into printing if you have a printer. So now, We're gonna get really technical real fast, but I want you guys to understand the possibilities in additive manufacturing. So, most of the parts I just sent around are your traditional parts made off of desktop printers. That's printers you've probably seen, right? The little ones that have the reel of uh, plastic goes into the extruder head, it heats it up, melts it down layer by layer. That's one type of 3D printing. There's types of 3D printing. So I kind of want to go over those with you quickly to show you what's going on in the world of 3D printing. So this is the first type of 3D printing. What it does is you have a liquid material. So it's a liquid plastic. It's called a photopolymer. The girls in the room, um, gel nail polish now, you put it on as a liquid, it goes under UV light and it hardens. That's the same process that we're doing, but it just does it layer by layer by layer. So it's a photopolymer, it's a liquid plastic. A UV light hits that plastic and solidifies it and it continues layer by layer by layer. Um, This process is called vat photopolymerization. It includes a vat of liquid and its photopolymer. Um, It's also called stereolithography. I talked about that earlier. This was the first type of 3D printing invented in 1984. And now they've g- kind of upgraded this uh, technology, where as this part kind of looks like it's growing out of the liquid, which is really neat. And I forgot to s- are we connected to the internet? And
2: um, yeah, we'll have to get off the. the, the yeah, Cause I have quite a few videos to show. Fun okay. videos. Are they mm. embedded in here? No,
1: they're in it. The,
2: Those. So, is that where you want to go? Yeah.
1: process, I'll keep talking, um, can create a very smooth part. So a lot of the parts I pass around, you could see all the layers, you could feel all the layers. I'll pass some parts around made by this process, and they're very smooth, have a very fine surface finish on them. And with this type of process, we can also use a um, material that has kind of a flexible um, property to it, so it uh, acts as a rubber. And they're also partnered with Adidas. So they're 3D printing the soles of shoes for Adidas.
2: Oh, we had them here as speakers earlier this you? semester. Okay.
1: So you've probably seen this video, then, if you came for the the carbon.
2: Yeah, I feel is is Not to this. OK, so, I, so
1: here we go. I don't know if there is, but. So as you see, the part just—it um, looks like it's growing out of the liquid. So what's happening is beneath it, there's um, UV light hitting that liquid, hitting the plot build platform, and it's growing layer by layer by layer. So it's really neat, and you can create very complex shapes and geometries from this process.
2: Is that sped
1: up? It is. Yes. yes, seven times the speed. So don't be fooled. <laughs> it's not that fast. But it is really neat. Okay. Second type of 3D printing is, um, uses a laser or um, energy source and then your material comes through as a powder, and the powder and the laser come together, like in the picture, and it solidifies, and it does that layer by layer by layer. If any of you have seen welding done before, or heard of it, that's kind of what this is, but it's very glorified, and can do a lot of cool other things. Um, this is the only type of 3D printing in, uh, um, so it's called Directed Energy, Okay, it's called Directed Energy Deposition, and um, this is the only type of 3D printing process. So normally, you know, you're 3D printing in one direction. It's going like this, layer by layer by layer by layer. This type of 3D printing is on a 5-axis head, just like a CNC machine. So it can deposit over here, deposit over here. It has 5-axis to deposit. So this type of process is used a lot for repair features, and I'll show some of that later. Um, Third type of 3D printing process, which you guys are most familiar with, is material extrusion. So this process, you have your plastic reel, or it could be a pellet form, and it goes into the extruder head, it heats it up, and deposits it layer by layer by layer, like a hot glue gun. Um, There's a lot of cool things happening with this, so we're familiar with the desktop printers, but there's um, big area additive manufacturing, for short BAM where it's 20 by seven by six feet long, and there are actually 3D printing bodies of cars in these um, printers, which is really neat. Fourth type is called binder jetting. This process uses a powdered materials. So any type of uh, material can grind up into a powder, we can use, so metals, plastics, ceramics, sand, this is what we're using. So how this process works is it rules out a layer of your material and then an inkjet head comes over and squirts out a um, glue-like substance. So just like an inkjet head on your 2D printer that prints with ink on paper, it's the same type of inkjet head but instead of ink it has the glue in it and it comes out squirts it out and does that layer by layer by layer. Um, A huge industry that's utilizing this is the sand casting industry um, which if any of you are familiar with, uh, what it is, is it? you make a mold out of sand and then you pour liquid metal into it and you get your parts, so the, the automotive industry uses this a lot. Ford, for example, has been utilizing 3D printing for um, probably 20 years. Fifth type is called powder bed fusion, and I'll send some parts around. Um, that were produced by this. Again, it's a powdered material, but instead of a glue like binder jetting, it's using a laser. So it rolls out a layer of your material and a laser hits that powder and centers it or makes it a, a solid. And then that happens layer by layer by layer building your part up. I have a metal part here I'll, I'll pass around. It's a showpiece to show you what uh, the capabilities are of 3D printing. So you have a lot of structures, support structures, internal cavities. Really um, show the abilities of three D printing. And then I'll so that's metal. I'll pass around a plastic one. Um, What's really cool about this technology is all the loose powder that's not becoming a solid is acting as your support. So you do not have to add any support structures. This type of technology, any loose powder acts as your support. So anything that moves or has um, oh, a space in between acts as loose powder. So then you can create things that are movable without no assembly. Um, so I'll pass these things, items around, to show you that. Um, and then um, this ball bearing. Traditionally, a ball bearings made you have your outer case, your inner case, and they have to assemble every single ball inside. So, this is an assembly. There's about 16 pieces that go into one part and it's assembled together. With 3D printing, this part comes out of the printer just like this, no assembly required, and it's able to move. I just should have <laughs> like I really like the elephant. If you would like one, I have my card up here and I can make you one. Okay.
2: Um.
1: Let's see.
3: For thousands of years, manufacturing has been guided by the same principle. We'll take a block of material. We'll machine or we'll carve or we'll chisel remove excess material from it, until we get to the final shape. It's not much different from a hunter way back in time, takes a larger rock and breaks it into pieces, trying to make an arrowhead. Even though we're using high-tech machining methods, the underlying principle is basically the same. But there's been a revolution in manufacturing. Today, we can start with nothing and build an object from the bottom up only using the material that we need. This
2: powder 3D powder
1: printing is My so
3: revolutionary because around. of the efficiency the of the
2: process. Of process
3: we start with a flat bed of metal powder. Powder is our ink. The laser melts a thin layer of the metal, the bed drops a fraction of an inch, we put fresh powder over the top, and then we melt another layer until you have thousands upon thousands of layers to make an actual component. This gives us unlimited design flexibility. If you look at the vent tube that we made for NASA's Orion Space Capsule. Originally, they took multiple pieces and then assembled them together to make this one part. Each one of those fastening points creates a weak point in the structure. The beauty of 3D printing is we're able to print it all in one piece. For example we actually print the screen integrally into the part as we build it making a much stronger much more efficient structure than you could before one of the issues with traditional manufacturing is i can't physically remove the material that i want to remove because the machinery isn't capable of doing it we can take that traditionally manufactured part feed that into a computer program that looks at the loads and the environment that that part operates to reveal the true structure so that you only print material where you need it. And what often happens in these optimized designs is that they're very curved and organic looking, like they were grown from roots of a tree. I mean, there's a reason a tree looks like it does. It's because it's an efficient structure. Nature is the ultimate designer. Now I have a lighter weight part which goes on an airplane, which means it burns less fuel, which ultimately means a greener Earth going forward.
1: Sixth type of um, additive manufacturing process is called material jetting. Um, so this takes an inkjet head again, instead of a blue like binder jetting was it actually has your material so it's your liquid material whether it's plastic or a photopolymer and it squirts out that ink or your material layer by layer by layer and builds up your part so i have a couple pieces that were made by that Um, what this process allows is um, you can print with multiple strengths of material or multiple materials all at once so you'll see some of these pieces that, um, for example, this one that you'll, you'll see passed around has a hard outer surface and then inside is very flexible and this was all printed at once. Um, then you'll see this little glow here, it looks like a GE tires inside and it looks like someone placed it inside, but no, this was all made layer by layer by layer and this process also allows you to use multiple col- colors at once. So I'll pass all those pieces around. And then there's a little gear too that I'm passing around and again it wasn't assembled it comes out of the printer just like that.
4: I came across Derby uh, a little over three months ago now I think. Um, I Uh, had adopted a dog through this rescue group called Peace and Paws. He was born uh, with deformed front legs and uh, I kept looking at his photo and hearing his story and I cried literally every time. Finally I messaged her and I was like okay I'll do it foster I'll take care of him. I had to try and I had to try and help this dog we decided to get him a cart, which worked quite well, but they limit his mobility in terms of being able to play with other dogs, and it's not really the full motion of running.
0: For Darkness projects, we're using a variety of 3D technologies, and that allows us to get in there and really modify the organic uh, digital models so quickly using 3D scanning, and easily. And start to the do the sort of the designs bikes, that Derek wants us to do.
1: 3D modeling.
0: The great thing about using 3D technology in Derby's case. Is having these images on file on a computer and being able to print them um, is a lot quicker than having to hand sculpt every single mold and rebuild these braces five, ten times.
4: With prosthetics in general, a lot of the designs are going to this running man sort of look. Um, and I was concerned with doing a lot of that. That's the three D that, printer. That's um, a
1: material
4: that jetting printer. Material printer dirt so, printing so really out that material layer idea. by layer by layer. Hey, Jer, you got your new legs. We started off very low, and um, so that it wouldn't be too drastic. We have a line called the at 5500 which enables us to run um, dual materials. That has really been key with um, designing his prosthetics. I got
5: it. I don't become impressed very quickly, but when I saw him sprinting like that, it was amazing. It, it just, I couldn't believe it.
4: The first time he was put on them and he took off running, he was just so happy. I was absolutely amazed at how well he did.
5: He runs with Sherry and myself every day, at least two to three miles. He runs faster than the both of us. Uh, he never really tires out.
4: He's just so happy to do that. This is what dream cooking is all about. To be able to help anybody, dog, person, whoever, to have a better life is just, there's there's no better thing to be involved in.
1: So those prosthetics remain with material jetting and just a great one of my favorite videos to to show the possibilities of what 3d printing can do so they first started him off with that cart you know and that's what normally we would have access to and he didn't have much mobility and then with 3d printing and 3d scanning they're able to scan his legs and make a prosthetic that fits him perfectly and then you saw him running at the end it's just incredible so it's really awesome the last type of 3D printing, so we covered six, this is the last one, this is called sheet lamination. And um, this process works, it takes sheets of material. Um, In this case, we're limited to paper or metal. So it'll take the piece of, literally your printer paper, that's what it uses, that's what the printers use. Um, It takes a piece of your printer paper, it clues it to the next piece of printer paper, and then a knife or a laser comes out and cuts that layer and then it continues layer by layer by layer. Once you're done, you take your whole, looks like a cake of white paper out like that skull and you break away it and you find your actual part and you're able with this to use ink as well so you get all (coughs) these colors and designs. I have one piece um, that was made with the paper um, sheet lamination that I'll pass around to you. And then for metal, how that works is with ultrasonic welding So you get a piece of sheet metal and you ultrasonic weld it to the uh, next piece of metal and that continues layer by layer by layer. So we covered the seven different types of 3D printing processes. Now I want to go over what materials we can use for additive manufacturing. So again, the most familiar and used is polymers, so your plastics, um, either in your filament form, your powder form. Uh, rubberized form, or liquid form. So however we can get our plastic, we can use it. Metals, um, if you can grind up your metal, you can use it in a 3D printer. So you have a whole list of your metals. Pretty much, there's no um, restriction to what metal you can grind up and use. Ceramics, I have a ceramic piece here. Um, so your zirconias, alumina, silicas. Um, the part I'm going to pass around was made with a material jetty process, so it's a liquid ceramic slurry and it gets jetted out and then the UV light cures it and that happens layer by layer by layer. Um, this printer is at the Youngstown Business Incubator that I work. It is from Israel, it's called the XJET 1400, it is the only one in the United States and it is the third in the entire world, so if you ever want to come see it. We welcome everyone um, to see that and our other um, equipment down there. Uh, We can print with sand and wax as well. I have these two materials on the same slide because they're used for um, tooling aspects. So I mentioned sand casting before. Has anyone ever heard of sand casting or investment casting? There are two types of traditional manufacturing. Sand casting has been around for uh, thousands of years. Um, you take a mold, you fill it with sand, you pack it down, and then you pour it in with metal and you get your parts. Um, with 3D printing, we can now 3D print the sand molds and cores, and then pour in your metal traditionally. So we're just utilizing it for cooling aspects and we're not 3D printing end usable parts. I'll give it another, another example for wax is the jewelry industry. So all your jewelry, uh, rings, necklaces, any very delicate or intric- intricate metal piece is made using investment casting. Investment casting, real quick, how it works is someone has to carve out a wax pattern. And that wax pattern is gonna look like the piece of jewelry. So for example, the ring I'm wearing. So they would carve this out of wax then they would dip the wax pattern into a ceramic slurry, it would harden, they would burn out the wax, and then they would pour in the metal, that would be your actual piece of jewelry. That's how you get jewelry. Um, So traditionally, for hundreds of years, people would take wax and they would carve out your shapes and that's how they would get them. Now with 3D printing, we can 3D print your wax out and then do it traditionally. So wax patterns, And sand casting molds and cores are two ways we can use 3d printing for tooling aspects Um, so I'll pass this ring around to show you this one's not made out of wax it's made out of plastic um, but we can also burn that out and utilize it for investment casting Um, a fun fact for anyone who's a Cleveland Cavaliers fan still um, their their championship rings those were 3d printed wax patterns Um, so it's a fun fact Concrete, so we can 3D print with concrete (coughs) material. This is being used for houses, and I'll show this quick video. Um, This house...
3: From busy bees to a busy robot. Yes, this robot is building a house. I can get a new house in 24 hours. I'll take it. Invented by Russia's Nikita Chenyatai, this is a 3D house printer.
0: This is incredible!
3: So how does this robot make quick work of building a house? This machine
0: is the future of home building because using 3D printing type technology is able to build a house in 24 hours. This 3D printer is so fast because it pumps concrete at an incredible rate. 400 gallons or 1,500 liters worth every hour. That's one bathtub full of concrete every three minutes. Concrete's perfect for this because you need something that you can squeeze out as a liquid and then very quickly turns into a solid. So as the 3D printer puts down layer after layer after layer of concrete, it builds up a continuous solid wall. This 3D printer is designed in a way unlike any I've ever seen before. Its main body is in the center and it has a long arm that can travel in a full 360 degree arc and move in and out. It can print up to 1,420 square feet or 130 square meters. That's the size of a three-bedroom house. The only thing the robot can't do are things like structural beams, windows, doors, and the roof. These things are still added by good old-fashioned manual labor. We're all fairly experienced with dealing with paper jams, but a concrete jam? I mean, that's your afternoon goal.
1: material that's being explored so for example that house was made in less than 24 hours for around $10,000 which is pretty incredible and people are like oh why would you do this but additive manufacturing as a whole there's a specific reason specific purpose specific process so in this case um, why we would want to 3d print houses is for example low-income areas or natural disasters So a hurricane comes through, destroys an entire village, we can go in there and put up houses very fast so people can start living in them while their real houses get uh, uh, constructed. So just one example for 3D printing with concrete.
3: Wire embedding.
1: Um, So not only can we print with um, plastic, but now we can print with plastic and also embed wires while we're printing. So UTEP, University of Texas, El Paso, has one of these systems. They um, produced it. It's called a multi-3D um, printer system. It has a uh, 3D printer that prints in plastic, and then it'll pause, it'll embed wires, and then it'll continue <coughs> plastic. So you can see some of the cool things they're doing um, with like CubeSats, so little satellites they send up into space. They can embed all the wires and stuff, send them out. They'll collect all the data, and they'll come back. Um, I don't have any of the wire embedded pieces with me today. And human tissue. So another really cool material that we can um, really start looking into is the human tissue. Um, you have an example of skin up there. Um, some of the reasons we want to do this is burn victims. So if someone really badly burned, we can go ahead scan their arm and deposit new material down onto their um, arm. And then I'll just have this video play and
0: I'll talk about the rest of the cool things that are done. I'm Dr. Bonasser and my lab makes ears. The invention that we've uh, discovered is a way to uh, print living cells in a material uh, that can uh, be used to reconstruct tissues in the body. My laboratory is interested in regenerating cartilage wherever it's found in the body. The process starts with a scan of an ear. We sit someone down in a a chair, and we have a camera that spins around their head and takes a 3D image of their, their head. Then can very precisely map out the topology of the ear. The next kind of key step is developing the ink for this printer. This ink is actually a living ink. It contains living cells. It's alive when we put it into the printer. It's alive when it comes out of the printer. The real power of the printing technique is that it can be used to make geometries that you just can't make with any other technique. You can make parts with holes in them. We can layer and and cover and and put different uh, cells next to each other to create really the complex organs that make up our bodies. And after two months in an incubator the tissue fills in and looks white just like real cartilage. The implants that we're making um, are not rubber or, or plastic. Um, they are alive, they, they uh, grow inside the body or
2: outside. So let me ask a question because we had somebody text in a question and it has to do with the um, bioprinting. And the question was, how does the future look for bioprinting and how long till it's adopted becomes mainstream for the treatment of human ailments? Any idea? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Um, so to give an example, Um, probably two years ago now, um, they 3D printed a kidney Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, and they had it in an incubator and it survived for about three months. Now three months months—it's not that good but this is the very beginning and um, for example 3D printing of organs, what the hopes are, so usually you get an organ donated from someone else, well for 3D printing, they're gonna take your own cells, they're gonna replicate them, and they're gonna 3D print you out a new organ utilizing your cells. So that way, you're not gonna have any rejection like you would from an a organ being donated. Um, the whole area of 3D printing of organs is very new. A lot of research needs to be done. But again, when you look at what's been accomplished in the last 10 years in 3D printing, it's absolutely, Amazing. It's an exponential rate. Um, so I believe we will get there. I don't know when, but the research is being done all the time. And as a whole, in the medical field, I mean, we're utilizing it for bones, for hip implants already, for dental industry. So the medical industry is heavily using additive manufacturing already. But when you get in crossover to the actual tissue of it, there's still a lot of research that
2: needs to be done. So where's the hotbed for biomedical or bioprinting, like the tissue printing? It, it, it's, I don't think it's happening here in Northeast Ohio. We have a bioprinter at Youngstown State
1: University. Do you? So yeah, um, they're they're um, a lot in the universities, a lot in the clinics.
2: So where was this gentleman at? Did we did it say where he was at? Uh, is there a yeah, certain... he said
1: where he was. He says it right at the beginning.
2: Is there a certain area of the country? Or I'm Dr. Vanosser, and my lab makes ears. Maybe he doesn't. Oh, Cornell. It's Cornell University. The invention
0: that we've uh, discovered it is a way to uh, print living stuff. Yes.
1: Biomedical engineering at Cornell oh, no.
2: University. Wow. So probably
1: all the universities that have biomedical, I don't know why she has that, um, but a lot of research is being done on that, Um, but yeah, YSU has a bioprinter, but it's just one of those smaller ones and it's just for research purposes, but there's definitely a lot more universities and clinics that are heavily focused into that area.
2: any other questions no we can keep going we have some for the end um
1: to quickly go over why we would want to use additive manufacturing so it's really cool everyone wants to use it and everyone thinks a lot of uh the population refers to 3d printing as that desktop printer where you make little trinkets and keychains and cool things But as I just showed you, there's a whole other area, and people have been using it for 30 years now. So, car parts, the automotive industry, Ford, um, GM, uh, the aerospace industry, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, um, GE, they've all been utilizing additive manufacturing, and they're all utilizing it for low volume. So you're not going to mass produce this additive manufacturing, at least not right now. It's low volume and it's high customization and high complexity. So you put all those together and you have a great area for additive manufacturing. Um, part consolidation. So I might have some examples later, but you take a part that used to be 30 pieces assembled together. Now it's one piece. So you're saving on time, energy, no more assemblies required, reduction of material and weight and all that stuff. Um, reduction in lead time, reduction in tooling costs, there's a whole area of why you would want to use additive manufacturing. You just have to find that sweet spot and then get into it. Design optimization is a huge area for additive manufacturing, and this is where the hurdle is in 3D printing. So again, for thousands and thousands of years, we've been designing for traditional manufacturing. We've had these restrictions on designing. We've been told to design a certain way. Now with 3D printing, design is kind of free. I hate to say that word, but um, you have the ability to create anything. Anything you can design in a CAD software now, you can 3D print it out. And you can utilize this to reduce weight and to create um, complexity. For example, this is a GE engine bracket that's shown up here, um, traditionally a block of metal and you shave away and you get your part. So you have wasted material that you scrap and the part is five pounds. With 3d printing it's now under one pound. It was an 84% reduction in weight and this this is a part that goes on an airplane. So when you talk about less weight it's less fuel consumption which saves costs. Applications for 3D printing, and I've been talking to about them throughout, but um, prototypes and models. So this is why 3D printing was originally invented, was for prototyping. So you can quickly 3D print an item out, test it, see if it works. If it doesn't, you just go back, redesign your part, and 3D print it out. Um, it's very quick turnaround time, and it allows for you to do different design iterations fast. And then models. Um, for example, back to the medical industry, they're using models for surgical planning so they can pretty print out the patient's heart or the patient's brain, see what's going on, do the operation, see how it's going to um, turn out, and then actually go forward with the surgery. Um, tooling applications, so I talked about this briefly about sand casting and investment casting. This is a huge area for additive manufacturing. It's the low-hanging fruit because we don't have to do qualification and certification because you're just printing the tooling and making the part the normal way you would. Um, for example, Invisalign braces, are you guys familiar with Invisalign braces or mm-hmm. heard of them? So they don't re- they don't uh, 3D print the plastic piece you put in your mouth, but they 3D print the mold and then that mold they vacuum form plastic over and that's how they get your braces. So I'll pass around some teeth mold things and um, so Invisalign they are producing these molds in quantities of millions so they are mass producing using 3d printing with mass customization because every human body is different so your mouth is going to be different from your mouth, so that's why three D printing is perfect for these molds. The dental industry in general, the medical industry, um, is perfect for additive
2: manufacturing. Ashley, plus for for those Invisalign, right? So as your teeth move, then they have to make a new correct clear um, brace. Yes. So which means they have to scan again and make another uh, thing. Correct. And so make not mold. only
1: is You know they have the the customization from human to human but they have the customization of every i don't know how invisalign works but you get a different retainer every month or three months i don't know so every single one of those is a different mold which is being 3d printed and i have a picture of the international space station at the bottom so uh, nasa's into additive manufacturing they have 3d printers up there Um, To give an example, for tooling, again, if they needed a tool, they would tell us down here at Earth, it would take about three months for them to get the tool back in space. Now they have 3D printer on the International Space Station, so if something breaks or they need a tool, they can just 3D print it out and get it when they need it. Repair, so I talked about repair briefly. Um, This is with directed energy deposition, which is the metal process. So there's a a study up here of a um, bearing housing, and if they get worn, the company just scraps it, no matter what, they just scrap it. But with 3D printing, with this directed energy deposition, which is the five axis printer, they can put that part into the printer and it's gonna deposit new material back on to where it's worn, or if it's broke, they can deposit new material. So doing that is 50% Savings of buying a new part. So it's an example of repair. And then, of course, unusable parts. So this is where additive manufacturing is going. Um, everyone wants to print unusable parts. So I have some examples of the medical industry, um, a jaw uh, replacement and also hip implants. Um, hip implants are a great uh, example of additive manufacturing. So you'll see it up there, that's the ball. Um, And not only can they 3D scan and get those um, scans to make the implant perfect for your body, but they're also adding the lattice structure to the hip implant, which enables the bone and tissue to grow inside the metal part and become part of your body. So it's really neat what the lattice structure can do. And a lattice structure is like that um, metal piece I passed around and all those, it's very complex shape. So it allows for the tissue to grow into that. Um, I talked about part consolidation before, these are two great case studies, Um, GE is doing a lot with additive manufacturing. The first one is the GE uh, LEAP engine fuel nozzle. This part used to be 18 pieces, they assembled together. Now they print it as one part, and it's 25% lighter and five times stronger than the original part. And they thought, that's not good enough, so then they went to the next part. This part is 300 pieces assembled together. Now it's one part. So, and then they have another example. I think it's like 890 pieces that they assembled together, and now it's like 13 pieces, which isn't, it's amazing, because to assemble all that, the time, the money, um, it's a lot, but now it's just printed as one piece. And there's an example of the car I was talking about. So they're 3D printing cars as well. Just the body of the car and they have to put the wheels and the windshields on. But they're still um, doing it. Oh, I have a
5: into the physical world and connecting with the Internet of Things. We deployed sensors and scanners to capture 50 years of automotive knowledge. are too complex and expensive for traditional manufacturing they have to be 3D printed. The synergy between Siemens software and hardware is allowing us to lead the way in large-scale 3D printing.
3: So, Mouse, this is the challenge section. It's that node right there that's really
5: going to make or break this capacity. What we're doing right here, like this is the key, If we can get that node, then we can get everything. We are now ready to print a full-scale car in aluminum. La Bandita is not a concept car. It's a proof of concept of an entirely new way to design and manufacture. And if
2: you can build a car this
1: way, you can build anything. Um, so the company that is making the um, outside of the car is located in Youngstown, Ohio. So that movie, or the video you just saw is in partnership with the Youngstown Company. And Hackrod, um, the one guy, Um, Mouse McCoy, he is a movie director and that car for that video is going to be in in a movie that will be coming out about autonomous vehicles. So keep your eyes out for that.
2: Cool. So I understand too that doesn't Youngstown Business Incubator have one of the largest 3D printers?
1: Yes, so um, that's what I was referring to there. The company um, is called Center Street Technologies. And um, they have, so i showed you the BAM printer, it's even bigger than that. So it's bigger than 20 foot by seven foot by six foot. It's the biggest um, 3D printer. And not only is it plastic, but it's, they use the pellet filament and it's carbon reinforced. Um, to show you the difference of carbon reinforced and normal plastic, I'm gonna send these two pieces around. Um, the white is your normal plastic, the nylon material. Don't be too rough, you can break it. Just feel the flexibility. And then this is carbon reinforced plastic and you're gonna be amazed, uh, it's amazing to see the difference of how strong carbon reinforced plastic is, which is the black uh, material. So with anything, there are challenges and I've talked about them kind of throughout the whole process or uh, the presentation and I know I'm running short on time, but design, um, IP, protection of IP, because now 3D printing is a digital item. So if I have it, I can send it to you. So how do we protect all of those um, parts and rights and stuff like that? That's a huge area for 3D printing and the challenge of it. Uh, Business case, material standards, qualification, there are quite a few challenges and that's why there's so much research going on in additive
2: manufacturing. Ashley, so we have a question that relates to challenges. Um, So 3D printing gives the common man access to many wonderful, exciting things, but how will society control the ability for anyone to use it in a negative way, such as printing weapons?
1: Great question. And that's another thing that I um, see a lot. So um, again, the media kind of covers just your a material extrusion process and then they also cover um, the 3D printing of guns and weapons. Um, But yet we've had manufacturing for thousands of years and if you can 3D print it you can also produce it any other way. So anyone can produce a gun, they've had the ability to do it, Um, so this is just another manufacturing process to um, produce that. Uh, In terms of protection and data rights. um, That's the big area right now. It's called the digital thread and how to control it for additive manufacturing. I'll give you an example um, for the Air Force. So I do a lot with the Air Force. Um, Traditionally, you know, uh, industry partner would print a part and send it to the Air Force. They put it on a plane and they fly it. Well now, government, they want to 3D print those parts in house, so how does that work? Does industry still get a profit? Who has what rights? How does that work? Um, There's seven different types of 3D printing processes. And along with those seven different types, there's hundreds of different machines out there. So how do we um, standardize this metal machine from this metal machine? How do we get the same parameters, the same part from this machine to this machine? There's a lot of different ways to control it. Um, But yeah. there, I saw a video on how you can make a gun from cardboard before. I mean, if, you, if someone wants to make a weapon, they're going to find a way to make it. Uh, 3D printing is just another type of manufacturing process. And manufacturing's been around for thousands of years. Uh, going to end with a couple slides specifically about Northeast Ohio, what's going on, and then what's going on in YBI. I'll do it really briefly. Um, several years ago, We conducted a study to see if Northeast Ohio could be a cluster for additive manufacturing, just like Silicon Valley is a cluster for um, software, just like Napa Valley is a cluster for wine. We wanted to see if this area could be a cluster, so a whole study was conducted, and through that study we found all these different traits, that there's 2,700 plastic and metal manufacturers in Northeast Ohio, Um, there's all these universities, there's a huge concentration of materials, Um, so many assets so through that study we found that Northeast Ohio has the perfect opportunity to be the hub for additive manufacturing so because of that study we now have a Northeast Ohio additive manufacturing cluster where we hold networking events working groups workshops where everyone comes we're trying to connect the supply chain so you have material producers machine producers industry partners we want to get them all in the same room and start um, collaborating and working together for additive manufacturing and then, um, real quick, uh, the Youngstown Business Incubator also has a commercialization program focused on commercializing additive manufacturing ideas and startups, and um, through the program, we also have student teams that students are assigned to these startups to help with the commercialization program. So if you have a, a, an idea related to advanced manufacturing or additive manufacturing or 3D printing, or if you just want to be a part of a student team, go ahead. Um, find the application online. You can apply. Grab my card. You can email me with whatever you're interested in. There's a lot of opportunities for that as well. And how many of you did see Jim talk? Mm-hmm. So you know all about the entrepreneur side of YBI. Um, so we have a big entrepreneur section and then a big additive manufacturing section, and we're. This one kind of connects both, so it's entrepreneurship and additive manufacturing, and this grant um, sponsors that. Then I'm just going to add, end with this. So additive manufacturing doesn't solve every problem. So the quote is, if the only tool you have is a hammer, you tend to see every problem as a nail. So 3D printing is, the hype is up here, and everyone's so excited about it. Everyone wants to 3D print everything but don't use the printer to print everything. Use the printer as another tool to your toolbox. <coughs> Once you find the specific process, the application, every <coughs> single thing has a specific application for in additive manufacturing. You just don't want to print everything.
2: And then any questions? No. So, come on, there's gotta be questions.
3: When can, when can I get my 3D printed concrete
2: house? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah.
1: There's a company in um, California that's doing a lot with it and they just um, 3D printed one in Texas as well. So you awesome. see it's all in the warmer areas right yeah, now. Definitely. So, so we'll see. That. We'll be here
2: soon. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have a bunch of questions here. So what types of, like th- you talked about the seven different types of 3D printing. Are you doing all those at YBI? Um, So
1: real quick, the ecosystem in Youngstown, we have the Youngstown Business Incubator, we have the Youngstown State University, and then we have America Makes. America Makes is that National Additive Manufacturing Innovation Institute. Um, Are you guys familiar with America Makes at all? Let me give you a real quick um, rundown on it. It was developed six years ago under President Barack Obama's presidency. He initiated the first manufacturing institute, and it was selected to be in Youngstown, Ohio. So it was the first one in the entire United States. Now there's 16 of them all over the United States, and they deal with different types of um, evolving technologies like flexible electronics. Um, But so the 3D printing hub is located literally right next to the Youngstown business incubator. They're actually on our campus. So between America Makes, the YBI, and YSU, we have this great 3D printing ecosystem to tie that all in. The university was the second university to have all seven types of 3D printing processes. So if we don't have it, they definitely do. Um, in our building, we do have powder bed fusion, binder jetting, material extrusion. Um, but the university, which is literally a two minute walk, has all seven.
2: Okay, um, so you, you, you talked about, so clearly there's, from that study, there are a lot of companies in Northeast Ohio that are in additive manufacturing or maybe in traditional manufacturing Trative, yeah. moving and could move that way. So I think maybe for our students, you know, we're talking about the future here, they're thinking about their future when they graduate so what are the opportunities for jobs what types of skills you know does everyone have to be an engineer i mean what kind of skills are, are companies using this technology looking for
1: uh great question again so i hear a lot of people refer to you know engineering is related to additive manufacturing like that's the connection um to give an example again going back to ysu We have a 3D printing lab in our STEM college, so science, technology, engineering, mathematics. We have a 3D printing lab in our art department, and we have a 3D printing lab in our business school. So that just shows you the areas. Really, no matter where you wanna go, there is an area for additive manufacturing, so you saw concrete, so there's construction, um, automotive, uh, medical, The list goes on and on. Um, Locally, in Ohio, it's all those traditional manufacturing facilities. And we had a huge grant that we visited, I think, like 100 different manufacturing facilities in Ohio. We went into the facility, and we looked for areas that they can utilize 3D printing for tooling. And um, we did a demonstration project for them. And the grant covered actually 50% of a project to get them introduced to 3D printing. Because don't, you don't want it, um, them to invest in the equipment and the machines, because these big industrial machines can cost half a million to a million dollars. So we don't want them to buy something and then they don't like it and then they hate 3D printing, which we see a lot happening. So we want people to slowly get introduced and s- see what it can do. Going back to um, skill sets and opportunities, so there's a, a broad range. So yeah, there's the engineering, um, Programming, all that technical stuff. Um, but operators of machines and um, technicians are really lacking right now. So, trade schools, um, that's a huge area. We can't find enough of them. Um, and then, I mean, it just depends on what you want to do. If you have a passion for 3D printing, there's definitely a path to, to go into 3D printing. And then, um, Everyone thinks, you know, 3D printing is going to take over everything. No. Traditional manufacturing will always exist at all, um, mass production. They produce millions of pieces. Everything you see, and this is why I love manufacturing, everything you see, everything you touch, has been in the manufacturing facility. Everything's manufactured. The chairs, the glasses, your clothing, the food we eat. Everything goes through a manufacturing facility. And it's really interesting to see that. and. I have another presentation where I show a a clip of a video of all these different manufacturing um, processes. It's really neat to understand that everything is manufactured and that will never um, go away. So we'll still have our our traditional manufacturing, it's just going to be tied in with our additive manufacturing.
2: So we had another question from someone who asked when di- will the cost of printers drop to where they could become a common household item
1: great question um, so desktop printers the little ones that print with plastic those right now you can get for a, hun- a couple hundred dollars um, you can buy them at home depot staples michael's all all those types of stores you can buy those right now and put them in your home um, the big industrial size um printers that i said are like a million dollars that's the another big challenge to additive manufacturing is that you have this huge piece of equipment it's very expensive and you need to utilize it and amortize it in order to make your money back um those types of printers again it's that's more of your um industrial equipment so those will never get into your home just like uh everything that manufactures our items aren't in our home yet, but your desktop printers, not only material extrusion, but they have the little uh, form lab printers that uh, print with the photopolymers. They have the, they, so material extrusion, which is the filament, they now have um, metal filament, and they have it in a desktop printer, so you can print a desktop printer with metal, which is really neat. Um, So a lot of, Material extrusions in your home, vat um, photo, uh, photopolymerizations in your home, and all the other ones—they're becoming smaller and can be in the home. And the main reason 3D printing became so popular in the last 10 years, even though it's been around for 30 years, is because of the desktop printer. So all these big machines have existed. We've been doing 3D printing for so long but because someone invented that small little desktop printer, everyone was like, oh my gosh, 3D printing, you can make anything, when it's been around for a long time, but it became more user-friendly and everyone fell in love with it.
2: Okay, so I think two more questions. Which country is at the absolute forefront of 3D printing technology? Ooh,
1: that's a good question. Um, And it changes every year. The Woolers report just came out I haven't been able to read it yet, so I actually don't know, but um, Israel's doing a lot, Germany's doing a lot, Um, we're doing a lot, but there is graphs and analysis on all that. I haven't read the newest version. If that person wants to email me, I could definitely give those statistics because those are all in the Woolers report. This guy, Terry Woolers, he conducts a study every year on State of the Union of Additive Manufacturing and it goes all over
2: the world to collect that data. So I can get that, but I don't know. Okay, and one last question and I wanna show this to the folks that are tuning in because they didn't get to see up close all your your, um, uh, samples you brought. So this is the elephant. So I'm hoping that it's picking up on the thing with the movable parts and it was printed that way. How long did it take to print that?
1: So that's a powder bed fusion process. Um, so you're not gonna print it um, one piece at a time. You're gonna fill up that whole build area. Uh-huh. So it's a powder process. And um, that was my favorite printer to run because I was actually an intern at America Makes, um, side story, but you fill up the entire build volume and I would print 300 pieces at once. So I don't know how what one would take. Um, on a desktop printer, you can print that on a desktop printer as well. Um, because, so for 3D printing really quick, the higher your part is, the longer it's going to take. Because it's printing in the z direction. So the shorter it is, it's quicker. So that one's um, pretty dense and thick. So it would probably take, uh, I would say like seven hours. I don't know. Depends on the infill too. So you have all these uh, data and parameters you can adjustify. So if you make that completely solid, it's going to take so much longer. If you make it a 10% infill, it's gonna work way faster. So you have all these variations you can do. Um, I didn't pass these around and I don't know why, but these bracelets are called Kinematic Service System um, Hinge Bracelets. The app's online. Everyone can um, create their own custom bracelet and you download it for free and can 3D print out on a printer. What's really cool about this, why I like to show it, is it's all hinges that's what this company does and they're doing um jewelry and clothing so they're actually printing dresses and clothing and stuff like that so when you think about a dress it's this big how are you going to 3d print that so with their um idea with this hinges so they design everything with hinges and then they compress it down into a little ball they'll print the dress in a ball in that powder bed fusion process and then they take it out and then they can have their dress so it's really neat um i forgot to pass it but this one, this one was printed with powder by Fusion. This one's printed right on your desktop for internet. Still, no assembly required. All your hinges. So there's a couple things I didn't pass around. If anyone wants to see him this little robot guy. His head spins. His arms move. He has gears in his legs. Again, no assembly required. There's so many things. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> any any last
2: questions from from you guys? Well, I think Where's
1: we. Oh. Pardon? Uh, reach out to me, <laughs> and I can give you a whole lot of things. Um, Like I said, there's so much you guys could be utilizing for free right now. Um, there's a website called Thingiverse. Uh, real quick.
3: Yep, I
1: mean we had to use that for our coding class.
5: Yeah. Oh, did you use this? Um,
1: so if you didn't want to design something, yeah, probably. you can just go to this website and see if they have your design you type in what you're looking for and it's all free so you can download anything and print it out that's where a lot of these things are from this cat this thing uh, the elephant they're all on Thingiverse Uh, like for example I'll search for a fox and you'll get all these boxes and they're all free and you download it and if you have a printer you can print them out it's really cool Um, but yeah there's so many free things free softwares free apps um, just start utilizing it. It's
2: really awesome. And you said the bracelet was one you can download for free. Where was that from? Um,
1: Show you really fast. So it's called Kinematics uh, Nervous System App. So they have a necklace, a bracelet, stuff like that. The one that you can download for free is the bracelet And it's all custom. Again, 3D printing is all about customization. So you customize the length of the bracelet, whatever the size, and then you can customize the shape. So you can pull things, you can push things, you can stretch it however you want. Um, You can add different densities, make it however you want, and then you just download it and print it out. And that's how I have them up here.
2: And that can be done on a regular filament printer?
1: this one was done on a desktop printer. I did a study, in college in my undergrad where I would just set up a printer in um, our lobby area and have people come down, customize them and print them out
2: right before them. Wow, okay. Well, thank you very, very much. Let's give Ashley a big hand and uh, again, I wanna thank the people who have, we had about seven people who logged on and and watched our chat. Uh, with, through live streaming, so we welcome them. And so if anyone wants to chat with Ashley for a, a little bit, yeah, um, please feel free to do so. Yeah.